0: This is God's initiative. And the story of the human race is not just one of universal disappointment, but one of unextinguishable hope. This is the one thing campus has to Discipleship. It has to be. I'm mixing my metaphors, but you know what I'm saying. As we enter into um, this new semester and this new year, 2020, uh, I sent an email yesterday. I don't know if you're, on our, if you're on our email list, if you got that, if you opened it yet, but I talk about that there's a kind of a clean slate, you know, uh, start of the year is, is uh, a chance to reflect but also to, to dream a bit and to make resolutions, and uh, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, said, I resolve to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. And any other resolution, and any other desire, and any other wish, and any other hope, (laughs) comes, as a Jesus follower, has to be shaped and formed around that one resolution, to know Jesus. This last semester, we talked about um, reframing the house, Talked about the early church in the book of Acts and how it was an inclusive community that was devoted to worship and word and prayer and being on mission around the person of Jesus, his work and his kingdom. This semester, we want to uh, talk about uh, not just the rebuilding and reframing of the church, but how we are. Personally, to entrust every single part of our lives to his lordship and to align with his grace and with his truth, what your own walk with Jesus looks like within this community. John Orberg said this, God is not just interested in your quote-unquote spiritual life. He intends to redeem all of your life. He doesn't want to just repair our brokenness. He wants to make us new. And the story of the human race is not just one of universal disappointment, but one of unextinguishable hope. This semester, we want to explore what the kingdom of God is like, the ramifications of the gospel, the tangible life of God in every part, infused in every part of our lives. To grow spiritually means to live increasingly as Jesus would in our unique place. So the primary scripture that we're going to use this semester is the Sermon on the Mount. That is Matthew 5 through 7. And it's this amazing picture of the the here and now reality of the kingdom of God that Ralph was talking about earlier. Today, I want to look at what Jesus was doing leading up to the Sermon on the Mount, okay? So if you have a Bible, if you want to turn to Matthew 4, or just look at that piece of paper that I gave you, okay? But not yet. Um, Matthew 3, Jesus gets baptized, and so it's what Ralph was talking about earlier, and at the baptism, um, he is baptized, Jesus is baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, in order to, in his words, fulfill all righteousness, to complete the picture and give an example of this covenantal commitment to God and to his mission. So, this is the beginning of the kingdom coming. And then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. And that would be a whole nother sermon. But that wilderness isn't just something that happens to us, but actually sometimes it is a place that the Lord leads us into in order to speak. In this wilderness, Jesus is actually tempted by Satan. And in three specific ways, he's tempted by hedonism, egoism, and materialism. He's tempted to make a shortcut, to take a shortcut to fame and notoriety, to circumvent his whole mission and his whole purpose and his whole kingdom. With each temptation, Jesus countered with the truth of the scripture, and then the the devil left. The angels came and ministered, and that leads us to this passage for today. Matthew chapter 4. Verses 12 through 25. Tell you what, let me pray. And then I want to do this. I want to look at this in three sections and then give us a time and some space to reflect and to write a bit after each one, okay? So even now, Jesus, as we prepare to hear your word, we pray that you would give us the gift of presence, not just the gift of your Holy Spirit being present with us, but the ability to be present with you. There's a, a a lot spinning in our hearts and in our minds. And Jesus, we really want to give you lordship over all of those things that are spinning. But in this moment, God, would you allow us to to hear from your word, but also to to be read by your word today. Pray that in Jesus. Amen. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the... Way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus withdrew. He retreated to the most unexpected of places, geographically and spiritually and politically. This was the the northernmost part of Israel. This was um, on the outskirts of any sort of culture. This was not a good strategy if you're going to launch a campaign or launch a new kingdom. This is the melting pot of Galilee. This is Bunch, this is where revolutions started. This was a mix of Gentiles and um, Jews that had kind of been left out of society on the margins. In the book of Acts, we talked about last semester, um, we just got to the point where the, the missionary journey start, right? And the church was first called Christians in Antioch and Antioch was a strategic place it was the center of culture and it was a center of a political center and it was a trade center it from there the church just just exploded but Jesus starts his ministry in the exact opposite place in the most unlikely of places and he quotes Isaiah chapter 9 The people sitting in darkness have seen a great light and those who sit their lives away in the region in shadow of death on them light has dawned The actual quote from Isaiah is people who walk in darkness and she, Jesus changes the word walk to sit and if you look up in the Greek, sit actually means to dwell. Those who dwell, those who are stuck in darkness, have seen a great light. In Luke's gospel, at the beginning of Jesus' Ministry. He walks into a synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and he quotes another passage in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. his jubilee. This is the kingdom of breaking in. This is light meeting darkness with hurricane force. This is missionary Jesus. This is God's initiative. And from that time on, Matthew says, Jesus began to preach this. Repent, turn your lives around for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus proclaims the good news, telling people that this is reality. This is what actually is. Dallas Willard paraphrases it this way. All preliminaries have been taken care of. And the rule of God is now accessible to everyone. So review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkably new opportunity. When, When Jesus came proclaiming the good news or the gospel, he's not trying to get people to pray a prayer so that they can get into heaven. He's saying that anyone can live differently because the kingdom has come now. It's not just forever. It is now. The heaven has broken in. Not in its fullness, obviously. But as a foretaste of the restoration of all things. This is a call to repentance. Repentance to turn and see, to turn from sin, to turn from distractions toward what is good and eternal and beautiful and gospel, to turn from preoccupations and turn toward God, to turn from a life that is focused on self into the ever expansive view of what God is up to to encounter the love and grace of God. This is God's initiative, but it's also humans' participation. Jesus says, turn around, and as the words leave his lips, so does the power to actually turn around. Everything is from Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus, including repentance. So it's not, you were walking this way, go clean yourselves up and then turn around and come back so that we can get this kingdom thing started. Jesus says, no, the kingdom has already arrived. Turn around and look at it. It's good. I want you just not to, not only to see it, Jesus says, I want you in on it. I want you in on it. The fact that he goes to the farthest reaches, to no man's land, to start this good news, I think is pretty significant that to talk about his heart for the lost. So Jesus begins his ministry with a call to repentance and a proclamation that the kingdom, the eternal rule and reign, the restoration and reframing of heaven and earth and humanity itself has come. Let's press pause. And I'd like for us to reflect on these two questions. Let's make it personal. What do I need to turn away from today? What do you need to turn away from? in order to turn toward life in Jesus? Where do you hope to see restoration? Where do you hope for the light of Christ to break through in your life and on this campus and in this world? Give us two or three minutes to reflect on that before we go on. come to you with repentant hearts today acknowledging that repentance isn't a one and done deal but it is a a daily turning prone to wander Lord we feel it prone to leave the God we love so in your grace thank you that you constantly invite us to turn and see so we pray for forgiveness we pray for realignment, we pray, to see your kingdom come in our world and in our lives. Restore us. Restore the joy of our salvation today. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The call to repentance is then followed by this call to discipleship, to be an apprentice of Jesus, chosen to follow and to be conformed to the rabbi to the master, to the savior, to the Christ. It's a calling not only to personal salvation, but it is a call to minister to and with others. Jesus calls people to himself. He calls all of us to a life of following him. And he says, you will catch people. We all have this desire to do something purposeful with our lives, right? Well, that's why you're here at Purdue University. I want to to make a dent. I want to do something significant. Jesus said, here's something significant. To be so radically altered by the grace of Jesus that you can't shut up about it. That's significant. they immediately left their nets to follow. There was a a turning, a repentance, but also a leaving, which is all in commitment. Mike Breen wrote time and time again in the Gospels, we see Jesus inviting his followers into an intimate relationship with him while also initiating a direct challenge to behaviors that he knew were either wrong or unhealthy he drew his disciples closer. He loved them, but he also gave them the opportunity to accept the responsibilities of discipleship. Jesus said in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me, Jesus says, will find it So it's receiving the invitation. It is obeying his word. And then it is entering into this rhythm of discipleship, becoming an apprentice, walking with and being formed Jesus, and then making other apprentices who walk with and are being formed with Jesus, who make apprentices who walk with and are being formed with Jesus. See, this just keeps going and going. I was asked this question recently. What, what does Campus House, what all does Campus House do? And I was like, where do we start, right? Uh, spiritual formation, uh, worship, teaching, prayer, community groups, gray house, intentional housing, starting night festival, vision trips, global connect, outreach and evangelism, faith and work initiatives, justice initiatives, retreats, jubilee conference, counseling, local service projects. Um, senior exit, freshman dinners, leadership teams, senior uh, development support, intentional housing, administration, book talks, theology, have as much fun as possible. (laughs) Well, what all does Campus House do? I changed the question on them. I said, this is the one thing Campus House does. Discipleship. It has to be. It's the thread that th- has to run through everything, through every ministry, through every event, through every trip, through every conversation. To make disciples who make disciples, equipping people in maturity in Christ so that we can pour into other people and then mobilize all y'all all over the planet, right? That's why we're here. So for us, discipleship means this. And, and get this, please. It is Grasping with the implications of the gospel and the gift of God's good grace. And it is wrestling with faith and trust and what it means to what that means for our identity and our character and our calling. And it is communing with the God of the universe in intimate prayer, in worship, in scripture, and in spiritual disciplines. And it is learning to belong, to give and receive, to trust and love well in community. And it is exploring the kingdom possibilities for your gifts and your passions and your work in light of the gospel. And it is coming alongside others to love and serve and point them to Christ. And it is aligning with God's heart for the world and for the poor and for justice and for truth and grace. It is Christ formed in you, living for him in his glory. Do you want in on that? oh, that would have been an awesome place where you guys go, yeah. (laughs) This is the good work that he's calling you to. So again, let's pause for a second just to ask these questions. Jesus is calling you to come follow him. What are you leaving behind? What's your net And what will All In Discipleship look like, not just five years down the road, but right now, in these next few weeks? Let's take some time with those questions. Philippians 2, Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. Not work for your salvation. That's already been secured through the grace of Jesus. But to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, it is God who works in you to will and to act, to have the motivation as well as to actually have the power and the strength to obey. One more section from Matthew 4, before we leave today. We've had the call to repentance and the call to discipleship, but Jesus also gives a call to kingdom restoration. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe, pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. In in Matthew's gospel, in chapters four through nine, he paints this portrait of Jesus and the work that he's doing. And in chapters five through seven, you get the Sermon on the Mount. And so that's Jesus um, as the word. And then in chapters eight and nine, you get Jesus performing all sorts of miracles. He's healing people and he's calming storms and he's raising the dead. And you get Jesus as deed. The word and the deeds of Jesus and the book, the book ends, the book ends of, of this whole portrait, mixing my metaphors, but you know what I'm saying? The start and finish of this whole passage are Matthew 4.23 and 9.35, which both say the same thing, that Jesus went about preaching the good news, proclaiming, and Healing every disease. The two were mixed together the proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel. So I want us to think about that in terms of our own work, (laughs) of the calling of the church. Approximately one-fifth of the Gospels are devoted to the healing ministry of Jesus. We understand the kingdom of God as present in, one writer said, in foretaste, not in totality. This This is an appetizer of what the big meal will be like when Jesus restores all things. So when Jesus heals, it's just giving a glimpse of the restoration of our bodies and our minds and our emotions and the healing of structures and healing of the the land and healing of hearts. We are not distraught because we fail to experience healing and the other evidences of the kingdom in fullness. Healing is part of experiencing the kingdom of God, but we encounter it as preview mode. (laughs) All healing is a down payment of the complete redemption that will be the fullness of Jesus' return. Does that make sense? So here at the launch of his ministry, here's what we see about Jesus. Jesus is going to people. Even to the far reaches of rural Israel, but people are also coming to him in droves from all over the map. He is going into the synagogues, but also out onto the streets. He's going into the, the houses of worship, but also the houses of sinners. He is the light of the nations, the macro, but he is also the healer of individual cells, the micro. He is calling small groups, the disciples, to himself, but he's also calling huge crowds made up of those who had been crowded out, the marginalized and the outsiders. And those he had called And those he had healed start forming this community of broken yet radically changed by the grace of Jesus and witnesses to his kingdom breaking through, not just in this big theological way, but in a personal experiential way. And like Jesus, these apprentices would also be proclaimers of the gospel, And conduits of healing and comfort and grace. So I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes before we go with these last two questions. And as you're looking at those, let me read these scriptures over you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we have received. And each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And whatever you do in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What is your place of wounding that needs healing from Jesus today? Physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. Bring that to Jesus. And where is God calling you to be a conduit of that grace, of that healing, that compassion, and that justice for others? Places to serve, places to love. Throughout this morning, we've used the word calling. That's a, a churchy word. It's not just a churchy word. You hear that word in the marketplace. Talk about what is your big idea, what is your big purpose. But specifically, the call of Jesus denotes a couple of things that there is indeed a caller. That calling isn't just this dis uh disembodied um, uh what am I trying to say it's, it's not just a strength finder test, right that calling says that there is this caller who's Jesus, who is actually inviting, who is actually calling you and what he's calling you to is to repent, to turn around and see him in his fullness, to leave behind the things that are holding you back from intimacy with him, to trust him with your life. He's calling you to discipleship. To apprenticeship, to come and see what he's about, to be a conduit of his love and his, of his grace and of his healing and of his kingdom restoration. Most of all, he's calling you to himself. It's not just a calling to this, this vocation or to this place in the world or to make a dent or to make a name, it's a call to Jesus. So so that's what I want to call us to today. Call you to Jesus. How you live this out, there's a number of ways that you can, but I want to offer a few of those ways before we leave today, okay? So this is where it gets really, really practical. There are some ways that we have designed and and put together to help you grow in community with others and some ways that we can serve as a community, okay? And uh, again, I emailed a lot of these out yesterday, and so check your inbox. Um, Check your spam filter, (laughs) If Purdue has blocked it. Um, let me highlight a couple of things. One is community groups. Community groups this semester will be going through the book of Ecclesiastes together, and, and this is an awesome time to connect with one of those if you're not already in a small group. It's a weekly group, six to ten people, and it is uh, a chance to to be a family with some folks. Okay, so that's happening. And you can sign up for that at pcch.org slash sign up. And there are also a ton of ways that throughout the semester that we want to get together to, in different formations to, to grow together. So uh, retreats are a big part of that. Women's retreat in Camp Tecumseh in February. Uh, spring break trip in Tennessee. Sign up today. That is an incredible trip. Jubilee Conference in Pittsburgh, where we take this this kingdom calling and this holistic gospel. In over three days, you get tons of ways that this gets implemented. Okay, um, ways to uh, to grow include senior exit and our freshman dinners, and include. Um, being in the word together and praying together, to come to Sunday night prayer services at 7.30 every Sunday night. We're going to have 40 days of prayer during Lent. God's going to move in and through that in powerful ways. Worship nights, tons of stuff, okay? And ways to grow, ways to uh, to let the love of Jesus overflow in acts of mercy and service and, and justice. In a couple of weeks, uh, actually next week, we have this Indianapolis vision trip where just, it's just a day, it's just January 18th, where uh, Campus House will go to Indianapolis and, and learn from and work with three organizations that work with victims of sex trafficking and learn God's heart for justice. In May, Dave's gonna be leading a trip, Dave and Jess, to Northern Ireland that is going to be focused on on prayer and worship and evangelism in a post-Christian nation. We uh you might want to sign up for the MLK Day of Service coming up next week. You um what am I missing? Uh uh, the last thing is, um, we want to have as we as we enter into this next couple of years. Um, it's a crazy time for us, uh, and so we, we want to provide some other avenues of service and for you to connect with um, some ministry teams. And so we even started some some uh, sign-up sheets down in the lobby if you want to help out with logistics or with Starry Night or with uh, communications, getting the word out. How are you going to grow? How are you going to serve? How are you going to reflect the light of Jesus in his kingdom on your, the floor of your residence hall, your apartment building, with your friends, your family? What's it mean to respond to the call of Jesus.